Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bladed Apples, a horror podcast dropping your trick-or-treat bag every week. Yeah. Yeah, every week. And this week, it's starting to feel a lot like, not Christmas yet, but snow? I don't know, it's after Halloween, so I guess people look at snow nowadays. I don't fucking know. We're talking about Snow Beats, 1977. Check it out. The hit film. <laughs> Is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. I can tell you it's made for TV. I have thoughts, kind of. Blaze is going to be talking about more than I am, but I watched it. I think it has its charms. It is, um, let's say on a scale of like, you know, zero to Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, as far as made for TV horror goes. Yeah. It ranks in the middle for me, but. Yeah, I mean, I think. Dark Knight of the Scarecrow is like a 10 for TV movies. Yeah, as far as horror goes, it's pretty It's pretty good. I love that fucking movie. It is very good. Um, but other than that, we will also be having a folktale and a vid- video game. Nope, never mind. We will not be having one of those. Can you <laughs> guess which one? <laughs> I was saying that before we started. You weren't listening. <laughs> I thought you said that you were just going to talk about Yeti. <laughs> No, I said I couldn't find anything that really fits that well except for Yeti and Yeti derivatives, which are like, hey, so there's this snow beast that lives in the mountains in snow and is covered in hair and looks like a fucking Yeti, but we call it something else. But it's related to the Yeti, and it's like, oh, so it's all fucking Yeti. <laughs> oh, no, no, I got confused. I thought you were saying instead you were going to talk about the adventure of the Yeti cup. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> How is the Yeti cup made? And why do um, people like them so much? And why are they so expensive? Look, it keeps your drink cold. Okay. Yeah, it should, should be that expensive. And plus, I've used a ton of off-brand cups that are like the same build as Yeti, and it works fine. Yeah, and not to say Yeti suck or anything, because I have one because mom's school gives her a bunch, and she just gives them to me. Because ever since COVID, she can't drink out of metal because it tastes like aluminum to her, she said. <laughs> Welcome welcome to teaching in America, where it's like, well, we could pay you like what you should be getting paid as a teacher, but so we'll pay you in Yeti cups. <laughs> you start fucking yeah, selling them. Your son because COVID ruined your taste for Yeti cups. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to give them to you. <laughs> awesome. Also, speaking of which, did you? Uh, what do you think about uh, the, the elections? The elections just happened. How about that red wave? <laughs> 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 that red, the red tidal wave. I just, I've been loving all the, uh, I've been loving all the period jokes that come from it. <laughs> it's just uh, way to jump the fucking gun. <laughs> yeah, it's um, we don't like dabbling too much in politics on the and the podcast, but um, it's it's good that it's good that the Democrats have. Uh, Kept control of the Senate. I, I can't say that. <laughs> I just broke my pen. <laughs> you don't need it. Whoops. That's how excited I was. I snapped it right in fucking half. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. No, that, that, that was, that's good. That's fine. Um, we have a runoff here in Georgia. But. <laughs> it's looking pretty good for you guys there, right? Yeah, it should. I don't know. It's a purple state. I don't know. <laughs> 
It's like when you look at the maps and you just see so much red, like in every state, every state, if it's not a city, it's just red. Yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. It's insane. But um, yeah, other than that, and also political news, welcome to Bladed Apples, a horror podcast. <laughs> Anyways, here's more political news. Have you been keeping up with uh, the Twitter stuff? Oh, fuck. Yeah, I have. That has been the light of my life lately. This might be the most magical thing that's happened in months. From day one, I have been telling everybody how I hate that fucker. And everyone was, like, kind of against me on it. And now, look where we are. (laughs) What what I'm excited for, I'm totally here for, for anybody that doesn't know. And, I mean, you're probably living on a rock if you don't. Or you just don't give a shit. Um, But I'm going to just say, just in case, Twitter got sold to Elon Musk for X amount of billions. Yeah, Um, which he was originally trying to back out of the deal, and then they threatened to sue him. They're like, no, this is your problem now, motherfucker. They forced him to buy it, which is hilarious. And his first thing was, hey, you can buy You had to buy your verification now. But that's all you have to do to get verified. (laughs) That's all you had to do, though, because before it was you had to hit, like, what, a certain amount of followers, and you had to verify, like... The use verification show that you aren't following a fake profile. This is actually a celebrity or somebody that's influential that you're following. Right. So he changed that to where you usually pay 20 bucks. Then I assume that Stephen King like gave him shit on Twitter. They was like, okay, maybe eight bucks. But the chaos has ensued since then, where, like you said, you have to have no background <laughs> whatsoever. All you do is just give him eight dollars and you're immediately verified. Has caused some of the most amazing things to happen on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I mean, fucking, I think there's, like, hundreds of uh, uh, verified Elon Musk page just talking about himself jerking off. Or how, how corporations are getting attacked because people pretend to be the corporations. Yep, so he's well, getting all his advertisement backers to back out. Yeah, what's the company called? Uh, the one that makes insulin? This is an insulin company. They've been overcharging on insulin for like years and years and years. And somebody went and they fucking pretended to be them. And they made them like lose like millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. Saying insulin is free or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which it really fucking should be. But yeah. Some of the hijinks. I mean, you guys could go on Instagram and stuff like that. And just like a people put like just collect them all. We can just see slideshows. <laughs> just see things that people are pretending. And it goes from like ridiculous of like, oh, it's a George Washington profile or like Jesus to like, <laughs> yeah, people posing as corporations and just fucking losing them money, which is hilarious. It's amazing. It's it's the best kind of chaos, and I'm totally here for it. I love it. It's it's yeah. been wonderful. All right, so did you watch anything this week? I'm trying, I'm trying to think, man. Today has yeah. been just a fucking struggle bus of a week. I mean, you have. What? Oh, yeah, we just talked about it. Cabinet <laughs> of Curiosities? Oh, no, I was going to say a movie. Which movie? <laughs> oh, Snowbees? <laughs> no, no. We watched Terrifier 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's been a bad week. It's just been so fucking busy. Well, first, before we go on Terrifier 2, um, I did watch a movie I forgot to mention last week that I watched. And uh, Did you watch Weird yet? No, I still haven't. No. Weird, the Al Yankovic story? Nope. I've been um, being berated by you and four other people to watch Andor as well. 
Andor's really good. I just started yeah. watching that yesterday, the day before yesterday. Yeah. yeah. It's very good. So far, it's a little bit of a slow burn. I like it, but it's way more grounded, more mature, very political. It's good. Yeah. I like I like it a lot. Um, and, and, you know, I already like Rogue One. I know you don't like Rogue One, but I like Rogue One. <laughs> right. um, but anyways, yeah, weird, the Al Yankovic story. It's free on Roku. It's an Al Yankovic biopic. The only way you can do an Al Yankovic biopic. By faking it. <laughs> yeah, by making a parody of a biopic. So there are some fills of Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, or like Pop Star or something like that. But it's, um, I, I will say that I think the first, I, it, it's like a one joke film. And I think it kind of, the joke runs out steam the longer it goes on. It doesn't keep it going like Long Heart does. Huh? The Madonna thing? Well, no, the Madonna thing is great. I, I just mean the general joke of just like, it just feels like the, the, it feels like the overall joke of the film just kind of loses steam as it goes along. It doesn't, it doesn't feel as engaging as Walk Hard. Where Walk Hard is funny the whole way through. But uh, it's good. Weird Al co-wrote it. He's in it as well. Daniel Radcliffe, of course, plays Weird Al. It's, uh, there's a lot of funny moments, though, and it's a great... People know. don't talk about Weird Al enough. Like, he gets talked about a lot, but never enough. Like, yeah, absolutely. That yeah. man has shaped so many generations. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I liked it a lot. I liked the... Uh, I liked Weird. I thought it was very good. I forgot to bring it up last week. But yeah, we both watched. Huh? That was Radcliffe. Yeah, Dan uh, Dan Radcliffe was good. I think what I like about it is that he's completely miscast as the role. (laughs) He's he's good as it, but he's purposefully miscast, you know? Mm -hmm. Where he's like, uh, he's also like super jacked in it. Like, Daniel Radcliffe is like super in shape. And it's just like, it's funny where it's like Weird Al just takes this guy that doesn't really look like him, isn't all like cut up and stuff. (laughs) And playing him, it just, it just, works with the joke and the joke that he's just completely wrong for the role is what makes it work so well <laughs> but it's good seeing daniel radcliffe do you know something so fun and all that i'm, I'm happy you know wherever he goes out because unlike you know some other actors that have been in young adult um franchises that went and have bigger careers afterwards like um for instance robert pattinson or kristen stewart or um even uh jennifer lawrence with the hunger games um, I mean, what about uh, Rupert Grint? <laughs> uh, we'll get to him in a bit. <laughs> Rupert Grint, Rupert Grint, Grint uh, quit acting for a while, or he he was he went on hiatus for a while. Yeah, well, that and uh, gosh, what's her name? She's famous as fuck. Oh, fucking uh, who? Emma Watson. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, she's she's not very good. But Daniel Radcliffe, I think, just because he plays such a big character, he's always had kind of a hard time getting away from. He's made Harry some Potter good stuff, it. though. Huh? He's made some good stuff, though, like well, Moon. Like Horns, and uh, he's done some other stuff. Yeah, he's... I can't remember the other... Moon something. It was uh, it was a film with him and Ron Perlman about... Um, he's like a dude who's really high who sneaks onto the set of them faking the moon landing with uh, <laughs> the fucking director. God damn it. The, the, uh, Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. And Ron Perlman's his bodyguard, and now he's like, fuck, I don't know what to do with this kid who knows everything now. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. I've never heard of that. That sounds good. Yeah, it is good. I'll try and find out what it is. He did that Hammer Horror film. What was it? Lady in Black? What's, what's it called? That was Radcliffe. Yeah. 
I'm talking about Rupert Grant. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. They're still talking about Dana Radcliffe. Okay, no, Rupert Grant was in that movie. Got you. That's no, why I was I, like, he was in Horns? I don't remember that. Yeah, no, Dana Radcliffe in Horns. Uh, in Horns and uh, Woman in Black. So there's some stuff that Daniel Radcliffe has done, but he just has such a hard time escaping that image of being Harry Potter. Yeah. He was supposed to be Harry Potter, you know? He was amazing in Swiss Army, man. Yeah, that's a good movie. I like him. I like him as an actor, but he's, he's good in it. Um, but the other movie we both watched was Terrifier 2. That's something we both watched. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot also. Um, I think that... Uh, David Howard Thornton really bring really elevates Terrifier One and Terrifier Two. Oh yeah, his performances are the clown. I think, especially the first one, which I I don't think is great. I think it's entertaining enough, but I don't think it's a very good film. I think that his performance really elevates that movie is what why people like that first one so much. But this second one especially, he just gets he can be scary. He knows how to handle the violence, but he's also very funny in it. It's yeah, the sunglasses scene killed me. <laughs> <laughs> the sunglasses, it's, it's great. Like, he, and also just like his movements and all that. Like, especially, I know some more of the first one than Terrifier 2, but kind of how he moves around is very much like a throwback to like Fleischer Studios cartoons yeah. from the 30s, like almost like Betty Boop or some like those black and white cartoons. He just has this very weird way of moving. And I wonder how much, how on purpose it is. Um, but yeah, Terrifier 2 is good. I, I do love that it's kind of the first of its class uh mike flanagan on twitter he deemed it the first mega slasher um if mike flanagan says it to me it's the bible <laughs> it's the truth of mike flanagan said it but yeah it's the first like it, it feels like an epic slasher and it feels more epic i will say there was no point where i felt like i was going to throw up <laughs> no that that was literally my review on letterboxes was so people are fanning over this huh <laughs> Like, it's super violent. It's super gory, but I don't think that's anything so excessive or, like, it doesn't, it doesn't look real enough for it to be, like... See, folks, we wake up and watch Salo for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> we wake up, we put on Salo in the day with Serbian film. <laughs> in between that, faces death two and four. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um... But what did you like about Terrifier 2? Dude, I, you know, it, like you said, I really did like David's stuff in there. It was, uh, he does have, like, it's really, I feel like it's super hard to, like, create a character without them being able to talk. Mm-hmm. And he nailed that, like, big time. And I think, like... Yeah, because even though he doesn't talk, he has so much expression on his face and stuff exactly, like that. Exactly, yeah, he like, just knows how to work with the makeup and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I, I thought the, um, I know Paige was actually a little critical of some of the kills because she was like, that, you know, it doesn't look as real as she wanted it to. And I'm like, okay, well, Paige is going to murder me one day. <laughs> but uh, I, I can see what she means. Yeah. I mean, that, that's why it's like people are passing out or throwing up or whatever. It's like, if it looked more realistic, maybe. Yeah. Like, yeah, if some of those so kills like, straight up looked like how that would look, then yeah maybe right but it's like we've all seen that guy pull that gun out of the envelope and shoot himself through the head we know what that looks like in real life yeah right (laughs) everyone's seen that they downloaded limewire and they're like oh i can't wait to watch porn oh my god (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, to be honest, though, I think the after credit scene was just so fucking over the top. I fucking loved it. <laughs> it was so fucking ridiculous. I loved it. I, I, it makes zero sense. Even like the setup from the previous movie. And how that ended, or how how the first one began, rather, with that whole like subplot of that character is just like, well, I don't see how any of this makes sense, but all right, whatever. It was good seeing Chris Jericho. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Pretty cool. Uh, I liked him in it. Um, I like that his his uh, spoilers. I guess this is a really spoiler thing, but his character I mean, his in the name movie. blares at the front of the movie. Yeah. Like, as soon as you start, it's like Chris Jericho, and it's like it's just, yeah, you had to wait like until the end of the movie to see him. But his wife makes like little Halloween cuttery boards, <laughs> charcuterie boards, charcuterie boards. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it's like yeah, I'll take some of that eyeball jelly. Maybe give me a healthy dose of it and stuff. So you see Chris Jericho. Um, I think, so the three things I have with Terrifier 2 is, first of all, a criticism is that I wish, so an element gets introduced in the film that is very fantasy. Oh, yeah. The, the horror film. And I wish it would have leaned into it more because what, how it all wraps up at the end, I'm not going to spoil what happens, it connects into this fantasy element. And I thought there was a lot they could do with it to make it go like ass is leaving seats going like, Oh shit. Like, but it feels like it's wrapped up so quickly. They're just like, Oh, all right. Well, why do we set, why do we set this up? Like you could have this like really epic ending. I don't know if it's like a budgetary thing or just I, how well, I mean, for how long the movie is. I could definitely see that. It's two and a half hours. And also Damien Leone, um, edited as well. He not only did he write and direct it, he edited the film too. So, and also, I love I love the idea that this movie is made for two hundred fifty thousand and is made I like know. ten million dollars. I love that. I love that it was a limited release film, like maybe even a Fathom event. And word of mouth has just got this movie moving so much that it's been playing at more and more screens every week and has made millions of dollars. And I love that for them. I think that's amazing. Same way, I think that even though I haven't seen it yet, was Smile. Smile. Nobody thought it was going to be that successful. That movie was like number one the box office for weeks at a time just because of word of mouth yeah people are still loving that film i think that's awesome Honestly, I'm, i might see if Paige wants to go see it after we podcast today yeah, <laughs> i really want to go see it it's real scary um but yeah terrifier 2 is uh, uh very good um there's something else i wanted to say about it oh what i do love about it and it's it's a point that got brought up on different podcasts i listened to when they were talking about the new hellraiser what i do love about this terrifier 2 and I have to agree with them, is that I love how they give zero fucks about offending anybody. Because sometimes it feels like with horror, because horror is generally a very left genre, which, is a, which isn't a bad thing. But sometimes it feels like in today's social climate, sometimes horror movies are afraid to offend people. So Hellraiser felt very, the new Hellraiser felt very sterile compared to the 1980s one. It's very sexless. It feels like it's not as edgy as it. Terrifier 2 feels like they aren't afraid to make somebody upset. Like, we'll kill a fucking kid. <laughs> you know, we'll have hey, a long court. And I've been arguing for years. More yeah. child death in films. Exactly. Yeah. More more child death, more pain. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, get those hogs on there. Get child. those hogs on the screen. 
<laughs> show more dongs in, in, in horror. It, it's, it, is, it is a misogynistic, it's, it can be sometimes a misogynistic genre. We need to see more penis in fucking horror. Hey, you need a Halloween dick for every set of boobs. Yeah, That's listen to our Halloween Resurrection world. episode. Dicks for tits. Dicks for tits. There you go. Hashtag dicks for tits. That's our new thing. If you want to repost your dicks for tits, go for it. Hashtag yeah. that shit. But, but I do just love how comfortable Terrifier 2 and Damian Leone is with this movie, just being like, I'm going to just do what the fuck I want. And I don't care if it's like seen as cruel or like over the top violent or like whatever. There's something about it that feels kind of punk rock. And it's something that feels kind of like, you know, because it is this very independent thing that when become this massive success, but it's also, I don't know, this movie just doesn't care, like, if it upsets you or whatever, and the idea that did upset people made it more popular, and I, I respect that, I really like that. What was the idea that upset people? I'm... Oh, I, not, not the idea that upset people, but the violence, I was referring to violence. Oh, okay, yeah, because... Because I got more promotion, people were, like, fainting or throwing up in the theater, yeah, there's some real pansies out there. <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna do? Um, let's see, what else we got? Anything else to say about Terrifier 2? Uh two thumbs up. Yeah, I say check it out. I think it's a good time. And I will say that the two and a half hour run time, you do fill it sometimes. Yeah, but there's an occasional few times where you're like, okay, let's speed this up. Yeah. But the, the other thing to say about it is that uh, I think they got a very good cast. Like oh, they, yeah, for sure. The rest of like, it is a huge improvement on the first Terrifier movie. Yeah. Uh, what, let me see what her name, look up her name. Uh, yeah, the, the first, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a dick, but yeah, the, the first movie, uh, it doesn't have the best acting in it. Um, but this one, uh, the lead actress, Lauren Lavera, is Dude, very good. good. Yeah, I like her as the final girl in this. Um, I think Elliot Fullman uh, from Little Punk People uh, as, yeah, as her younger too. brother is very good. Um, and I like her friends and all that. But yeah, Lauren Levera was is very good as the final girl. I liked her a lot. Um, he I killed mean, somebody, the shit out of her friend. Huh? <laughs> he killed the fuck out of her friend. That went on for a while. Yeah. I actually didn't expect the mom to die. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a slasher. I won't say how she dies, but I did love that was a great well what happens to her is a great one of those. Yeah. Like that is comparable yeah. to some ones from like more popular like 80s cinema. Like that type of death. Very well done. <laughs> um yeah, it's uh yeah, no, no, the whole cast is good. I liked it a lot. Uh I'm I'm interested with Damien. I, I think I'm more interested in I know that it's next. We already say to do a Terrifier 3. But I kind of want to see what Damien Leone would do with a different kind of story other than doing another Terrifier film. Yeah. You know? I don't want to be like a one, one, like that'd be his like one trick. It's just doing Terrifier. Well, I'd like to see him do another kind of movie. Um, let's see. So last week we talked about Cabinet Curiosities. Guillermo yeah. del Toro's Cabinet Curiosities. We both had to finish a season, but now we've both watched the last few episodes. Yeah, I mean, overall, it's a strong show. Oh, no, it's an awesome show. So uh, we both watched, I think we st we're right around the same place when we stopped. I think we are both around Pikmin's, uh, what the fuck is the name of that story? Pikmin's Portrait? Yeah. Uh, the H.P. Lovecraft adaptation. But then it's followed by another H.P. Lovecraft adaptation. 
directed by the director of um, the first Twilight film. I can't remember her name. And it's Dreams of the Witch House. That one sucks. That is the worst of the season. I'll say it. <laughs> For me, at least. I thought that was the that worst. That was the, of the director of Twilight who did that? Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the worst. Um, but then it's followed by, in my opinion, the best episode of the season. And that's Panos Cosmatos doing the viewing. That was sick. Yeah. I love Panos Cosmatos. We are fans of Mandy on this podcast. Um, fans of... Uh, Eric Andre. Well, Eric Andre is actually very good in it. I like the cast. Fucking uh, Peter Weller, Robocop himself, is is in it. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we like Pass Cosmatos. I'm excited for his next movie, Necrocosm, which I think he's working with Nick Cage again for. It's supposed to be a Lovecraftian sci-fi horror kind of thing. So I'm excited. But yeah, that, that episode is fucking sick. And then it ends with the Jennifer Kent episode, which you weren't a huge fan of, but I liked it. Correct? Yeah, you're not a big fan of it. It the wasn't Marvel? my favorite. No. Uh, it's just one of those those ghost stories that you see in tons of like, we're gonna make a period film, and it's actually about this poor struggling family, and you know, something happened to them, and it wasn't really her fault, and blah 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 blah. And it's like, okay, I've seen this like a hundred billion times. Well, yeah, and yeah. It's, it hits about the same every time. Whereas I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's good. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was good. I liked it. I, I think that um oh, S. E. Davis S. E. Davis and uh Andrew Lincoln play off of each other. They have a very good relationship and it kind of made me wonder like what happened between them and you start getting fed, you know, what actually happened starts becoming unveiled as it goes along. But you know, since it's Jennifer Kent who did the Baba Duke and the Nightingale, it's, it's very much in the vein of the Baba Duke, where really the ghost story and everything about it is really not what the story is about as much as their their trauma within their marriage or within their life. So I thought it was good. I, I liked it. I liked it. it was a little bit of a slow burn ghost story to end the season that wasn't like flashy or crazy or anything like that. But I, I liked I liked the murmuring. I I didn't think it was amazing, but I thought it was pretty good. I liked it a lot. Um, but Guillermo del Toro did in an interview this past week did reveal some of the people he would like to get for the second season of Guillermo del Toro's cabinet curiosities. Yeah. I, I, said I was going to let you surprise me with this. One. Yeah. I haven't told you yet. Um, I think he was doing promotion for Pinocchio, his new Pinocchio movie that's coming out next month on Netflix. Mm -hmm. The stop motion. Hopefully one. better than the Disney one. <laughs> like... I hear it's amazing. The, the, this one is not, not the Oh, Disney okay. Movie. I was like, who the fuck are you talking to? No, no, no. The Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is based more on the original story more than... Yeah, Pinocchio was a fucking asshole. He's a fucking story. dick, yeah. But it's a stop-motion film that he co-directed. I'm very excited about it. But the people he said he would like to get... One is uh, uh, Jero Bustamante, who directed La Llorona. Um, not the curse of La Llorona. La, La Llorona, which I haven't seen by her, was very, very good. Um, he says he wants to get this one's not surprising because I think this director was getting compared to Guillermo del Toro a lot whenever her film Tigers Are Not Afraid came out by Issa Lopez. Ooh, like Issa Lopez, uh, which apparently she was supposed to make an episode, but then she oh, for this season, but she had to go do something else. I think she had a show or something that got greenlit along with somebody else who's supposed to he had a script already written for the first season. 
But then his show got greenlit, and that's Boots Riley. Who no, did Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm oh, yeah. down for a Boots Riley film. Boots yeah, Riley's so my man. Riley. Yeah. Um, but there is one person on the top of the list that he's like, he's he's the number one guy I want to get. And we've, we're meant to collaborate different times on different things. And also in this interview, Guillermo del Toro was saying how why he produces so much. When pe- people usually get confused about him directing certain things where he usually just produces them because his name sells it. He says that uh, he says that since he's an uh, elder statesman of the horror genre or or fantasy, dark fantasy genre, they feels obligated to you know promote other artists, like kind of shepherd them into a public eye, and that's why he produces mm-hmm. so much. And why he does Cabinet Curiosities because with one false swoop, he's able to promote a whole bunch of people in one season of the show, which is very cool of him. Um, but the number one person he wants, you have any guesses of who it may be? I would like to say Robert Eggers, but I think that's too big. No, he's he's been around a lot longer than Robert Eggers, and he is. Uh, here's a hint: he's a king of the independent horror circuit. Uh, we mentioned him a few episodes ago, briefly. Lloyd Kaufman. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no nothing so schlocky. He's he makes very grounded independent horror. And mm. he also he also co-wrote Until Dawn. Oh, I did not know that there was an actual... Okay. Okay, go for it. I'm... Larry Fezzedin. Oh, really? Yeah. Larry mm-hmm. Fezzedin is his number one guy he wants on the second season. He, him and Larry Fezzedin were supposed to make a lot of things, apparently. They, they talked about they were supposed to do an American remake. I forgot a what movie. Terrified. Uh, <laughs> no, but the, the, are Terrified. Terrified, yeah. But it yeah, was, um, it was an Argentinian horror film. Yeah. yeah it's fucking terrifying, actually. Uh, that movie scares the that is a scary Is that really the one they were supposed to remake together? I well, I'm this is a guess on my part because he's been talking about like he was like ready to buy the rights to it and get the director back in to do an English version and like he really loves that movie. And I don't blame him because that movie is fucking legitimately scary. Uh, um, he was, they were supposed to do a remake of Orphanage. Oh, okay. Different one. Together. Um, yeah, I've been, I, I still need to watch it. I've never seen it, though. But, uh, oh, dude, yeah. you need to see Terrifying. Larry, Larry Fezzedin, who uh, I'm a big fan of. We mentioned Habit a few episodes ago. But uh, Wendigo, also, since you wrote Wendigo, does it make sense that you co-wrote Until Dawn? <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> uh, no idea he helped with Until Dawn. The, actually, the new one comes out this Friday. So, nice. of the Dark Pictures trilogy. So, yeah, he he was the writer of. He's one of the writers of Until Dawn. Um, but yeah, Larry Fessenden is is great. Great independent New York horror directors made a lot, been around a lot. But I would love to see him do an episode. I think that'd be sweet. Um, what else we got? Kevin Conroy passed away. Yeah. Rest in peace, oh. voice of Batman uh, from Batman and the MAs. Oh, shit, not just Batman and the MA series. The the voice of Batman, the best Batman. He's been the voice of Batman in so many adaptations and so many things. Batman, it'd be missed. Me and Blaze, yeah, Mark Hamill's been posting so much about him. He was a super nice guy. From what I understand, we we met him. I met him briefly at a comic convention that we were at. I watched you meet him. <laughs> yeah, he was he was very nice to me. Even though I was rambling about strip clubs to him. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I lost my sombrero at that point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, both have sombreros. Yeah. But uh, he was uh, he was very nice. Who will be missed? He was amazing. He'll live on because nobody will ever do Batman better. Uh, what else we got? Friday Thirteenth. Allegedly, we're going to get a Friday Thirteenth movie next year. Did you a hear about movie? That? a movie? Oh, is it so, a Jason movie? Yeah. Oh. Last week we talked about how there's a show coming out. Yeah, Crystal Lake. Crystal Lake. But uh, allegedly, now this isn't official, but Sean Cunningham, who is one of the co-creators, he's the one that's been one half of this legal battle. It's been between Sean Cunningham and uh, Victor Miller. So Victor Miller was the writer of the original movie, mm. and he's claimed rights for Friday the 13th. Cunningham came up with, he wrote the second film. And how they figured it all out after a long, bad legal battle is that he's allowed to use adult Jason and all that. Um, he has the rights to adult Jason because those were his films. Um, and Miller's not allowed to. So Cunningham let it slip. He said, hey, we're going to do a 13th movie next year. He said that this week. I doubt they'll get something done that fast. No. But he's trying to work on it. Um, Winnie Pooh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Hell yeah. Which is a new slasher movie starring Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> because he became public domain, that director said he's going to do a Peter Pan movie next. Oh, fuck, yeah, that'd be, that might actually be scary. <laughs> because, because that's apparently public domain as well. Disney so, has got to be hating shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> probably. And uh, what else I got? Kevin Smith is doing Red State 2. Do, do, does anybody care? No. <laughs> I like Red State 1. I think Michael Parks is very good at it. I think John Goodman's good at it. The I Kevin, think that may have been Kevin Smith's Kevin last Smith movie. fanboys will be. And there's nothing wrong with Kevin Smith. I just don't really care for 99% of his movies. I think I've just, I think I've just outgrown his films. Well, I, 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 made a, I made a pretty scathing review of Jay and Silent Bob reboot on Letterboxd, where I said, you know, I completely respect Kevin Smith for just doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. He writes the movies he wants to write. He makes a movie he wants to make it. He's been able to make this play box that only he plays in, because he's kind of stepped out of the studio system and just does what makes him happy. And I think that's great, but the thing is that it's awesome that he's playing in his own world, but I've just kind of outgrown his world at this point. Yeah. You know, so. But it's in Red State too. I don't know how you're gonna do without Michael Parks. He was the best part of that that movie. He was amazing in it as the the crazy priest preacher. So we'll see. I don't know if we need it. I'd rather him do Red State Two than try to do Moose Jaws. So yeah, <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> All right, we ready for Snow Beast? Hell yeah, we are. Okay. Trailer time. Trailer time.
television horror film from 1977 starring Bo Svensson, Clint Walker's in it. Uh, it is uh, written by Joseph Stefano, which is very interesting because Joseph Stefano wrote Psycho, uh, which is much better. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Stefano wrote the screenplay for Psycho. And this was directed by Herb Wallerstein, who was a, he was a TV director. He did shit like My Dream of Genie episodes like that shows like that and this is a made for tv movie so it's fine uh, but i guess the big thing is that josephano who is the outer limits co-creator and he also wrote psycho is kind of the big draw which you think he did those this movie would probably be a little bit sharper no <laughs> yeah. no not really <laughs> no um yeah this aired on nbc at a time whenever made-for-TV... Well, see, I can't even fucking say that. I, I was about to say, this is when made-for-TV movies was a thing, because fucking Hallmark is like... Yeah. Hallmark, Hallmark and... Uh, uh, what's the other one? It's called Bio now, but what was it called before? A, was it A&E? How they are they called these, like... Kind of like smutty crime films? Smutty, like... Oh, yeah, that's A&E for sure. I cheated on my husband with an axe murder. What the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> These movies were they're like almost erotic thrillers, but they had to tone it down so it'd be on TV. <laughs> they're all kind of like Fatal Attraction, but uh, <laughs> not nearly as entertaining. But yeah, yeah. this is a time whenever made for TV movies was a really big thing. Stars Bo Svensson, who was a, he was kind of just a genre guy. I like Bo Svensson. He was in the original Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. He's, I mean, there's not, I don't think there's anything like bad, too bad with the acting, minus maybe that young boy. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think Tony isn't great either, but... No, Tony's not great. <laughs> uh, also, also, that whole trifecta really, like, bothers me. <laughs> oh, of uh, both Spence and Tony and, and the wife? Ellen, yeah. Billy. Yeah. Ellen. Yeah, this is, um, I don't know if this is made out of because of the popularity of Jaws, because there are some kind of like animal attacks, like kind of Jaws fills to this, especially kind of structure-wise. Uh, especially structure-wise, which we'll get into, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, Snow Beast. Uh, there's really not a whole lot of behind-the-scenes stuff about it. They did make a remake. Original idea was to... You were going to watch this one, and I was going to watch a remake. And they were just going to talk about the story and just interject about, like, wait, that didn't happen in this one? Oh, okay, what happened in this one? <laughs> Without me, because I haven't seen the original, you haven't seen the remake, and just do it that way. But um, apparently the remake is even worse than this one. <laughs> so I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Not, not great. So, take so it away. Start at our beautiful winter wonderland where the ski lodge is getting ready for their big winter celebration festival. And, you know, celebration festival, that's how they call every festival. It's kind of redundant. <laughs> is that what they say on the movie? 
No, I just. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. You should and, just part off and like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have two young skiers, two young ladies going off and having a great time on on the Alps and have a cruising down until one of them notices a very large footprint. And they go, my gosh, what could this be, Stacy? Nevertheless, bye-bye, Stacy. <laughs> so we hear the growl. We see the camera close in on somebody screaming. And now we have, we shoot back to the cottage. Or not cottage, but ski resort. Mm-hmm. And in the resort, we have our buddy uh, Taylor in there. <laughs> and uh, he gets a report from the ski patrol that there was something going on, someone missing, and he needs to come talk to this girl over at one of the cabins. Taylor's a Tony. It's Tony. Yeah. I fucked up again. <laughs> Tony, but Tony also, um, his grandma, right? That's runs the, grandma. Yeah, his grandma runs this resort. But yes. you don't find that out until after he gets back. Yeah, and then she's played by Sylvia Sidney, who um, probably our audience will probably know best. I mean, she was a big-time actress back in her day. She had a 70-year-long career, but people probably know her best as uh, from Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, she is, uh, in the afterlife, she is their... Um, guide, I guess. Guide, resource worker. Is yeah. She a resource worker uh, for... The couple that passed away in Beetlejuice. So you probably know her best from that. But uh, yeah, she she plays his grandmother. And she's basically the equivalent of the mayor in Jaws. Where you things are happening. Out. And they're like, we should shut down. And she's like, no, we can't. Festivities at the snow resort. We have we have a snow queen that we always crown and all this. It's like, but people are dying. Like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Not a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, so Tony goes down and talks to this young girl who's like, no, it was, it was something. It was huge and it attacked her and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, huh, must be a grizzly. She's like, I wasn't a grizzly, which is going to be a reoccurring thing in this movie of where people just, it's probably a grizzly. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, a and it's like, it's winter. <laughs> they would be probably hibernating. Like, <laughs> well, you would think, but something happens later on. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> sure does. And um, so he goes, "Okay, well, send some of the patrol out. Start looking around, and I'm going to go look for it too." Eventually, he comes across uh, her jacket, soaked in blood. <laughs> Fuck, I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> and um, so he goes back to the resort and he goes to his grandma and like you said, he's like, hey, uh, I, I think we need to maybe call it quits. Somebody's missing. I, you know, I found this and blah, blah, blah. And the grandma's like, well, don't, you didn't tell anybody about it, did you? He's like, I'm telling you right now. Well, don't tell anybody else. And it's like, why is it? Because the high school's having a band play for the Winter Queen, and nobody's going to want to go to that. <laughs> we have to force the town and resort to go to that. I'm taking anything I can get right now. <laughs> yeah, and um, 
So he's like, okay, fine, but I think we need to close that area off at least. And she's like, fine, 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 fine. Close down the area. They close it down. And uh, at this point, uh, Tony comes back and they are, the police are there. Yeah. And the police are like, hey, we got something you want to check out. (laughs) And he's like, well, all right. And they start talking. But then we get introduced to what I would probably consider our main protagonist. It is. Bo Svensson and his wife, Ellen. Yeah, Gar. Gar and Ellen. Uh, Gar, uh, Bo Svensson plays Gar. Um, and he is a ski Attractive tra- 70s lady. Plays Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> he played by Yvette Momo. <laughs> yes, attractive 70s lady. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and uh, so they're having a little. Co- he's like, well, she's like, don't you think you should be looking for work? He's like, I am looking for work. That's why we came here. And she's like, oh, you really want to work here? And then he sees Tony and waves, and Ellen smiles. And he just kind of waves them off because obviously he's talking to the police. He's like, hey, I don't know if you saw the sheriff walk in here. There's kind of an issue going. Sorry to not like go suck your dick immediately. <laughs> and so afterwards, he's like, "Oh boy, Tony doesn't like me." <laughs> immediately, <laughs> immediately, don't like me. And so eventually, Tony comes back out before going with the police, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing here? Like, you you just coming to enjoy a vacation, you and Ellen?" and God, Ellen, you look just as beautiful as the day I met you right in front of her husband. <laughs> that shit gets really weird to me later on. You're like, is she cucking Bo Spencer? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's exactly what it looks like it's leading to. And honestly, I was waiting for Gar to die. <laughs> and then Tony just be like, hey, babe, I was here all along. <laughs> <laughs> now we know the answer because yeah. I guess at one point Tony and Gar, I guess, have always been friends, and they were always fighting for Ellen's affections. Which is always weird how that's always like a backstory of things. Like it's usually like very common in like World War II movies, where it's like, oh yeah, we came overseas together. We used to go after the same girls back in high school and stuff like that. <laughs> we're just like, like just why like, did you do that? fight over the same girl all the time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that doesn't seem productive. Like, yeah, <laughs> one it's of like, you is going to be hurt like, by your yeah. friend. Like yeah. it's like I immediately want this friendship to have a, a definite ending. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I can fuck this girl without guilt. No. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, oh, uh, you know, I, I kind of need a job. He's like, <laughs> don't worry, buddy. You got one. <laughs> then swoops out with his beautiful hair. And um, so Tony goes down to this uh, cabin. And uh, we get a little precursor scene here of a small boy standing in front of the cabin looking like a dumb little shit. (laughs) Just not saying shit, staring off into the distance, going, (laughs) 
And the dad's like, hey, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> no, but he's like, what's going on? What's well, wrong, well, champ? First of all, who are they? They're just, uh, I mean, they rent out the cabins. It's like a campground. Yeah, and they're just this car full of people. The kid hops out. They're they're going up to their cabin. Runs in ahead of everybody else and comes out. Yeah. Then like ooh, but also the framing of the shot where he comes out there. There's like a deer head or some like antlers like an outside of the of the cabin, and they framed it where it looks like the kid has antlers. Yeah, and he's like, "What's wrong, buddy?" And he points him inside. And there's a bloody arm hanging out of the bathtub because this is a made-for-TV movie in the 70s. And that shit was raunchy back then. Um, and he's like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. And then we cut back to where the police are there. And Tony meets up with him and he's like, what's going on? And they're like, well, you better come in here and take a look. And it's like, well, couldn't you identify her by the face? She doesn't have a face. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that part. <laughs> like apparently the the thing like taking faces. <laughs> and um, as Yetis like, are, oh my god, what could have done this to her? <laughs> They're like, well, I'd have to guess it was a snow beast. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so is this the scene where we're introduced to the sheriff or was that the previous scene uh no that you met the deputy okay yeah we haven't met the sheriff yet yeah this is the sheriff in the cabin okay so yeah we get introduced to clint walker's in this film don uh, I, I think his name is in it sheriff paraday yeah, Don Paraday. Yeah, and uh, Clint Walker plays him. I like Clint Walker. Clint Walker was on an old Western show called Cheyenne. Uh, Cheyenne. And uh, he was also in movies like The Dirty Dozen. He was one of The Dirty Dozen. He's also in a really good Western that I like called... He looks pretty clean to me. <laughs> yeah, and there's only one of them. I'm going to dozen. He's in a movie I like called uh, More Dead Than Alive. It's a Western where he plays this uh, rather infamous gunfighter that just gets released from prison after killing, I don't know, a shitload of people because he's a gunfighter. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm going to like live, you know, live a life of peace now. I don't want to ever pick up a gun again. And he goes, you know, into the nearest town from the train station. Nobody's hiring him because he's an ex-felon. <clears throat> and, uh, I feel like then you could have gotten away with it by just not saying anything. <laughs> well, people also know him by reputation and stuff, so oh, they're okay. like, uh. And also later on, where you see his gun, um, which a little bit you do because he goes to there's a traveling carnival that's in town at this town, who's led by Vincent Price. Oh, <laughs> and Vincent Price has a sharpshooter, and he recognizes Clint Walker immediately, and he's like, "Hey, you're." you know, such and such, whatever his criminal name was, like, how would you like to, uh, I have your gun, and his gun has, like, notches from each fucking life he took on the handle, and stuff, it's like, how would you like to take on my sharpshooter, and he decides to just start, like, shooting targets and make extra money, and kind of goes from there, but it's one of the rare films where Vincent Price was in a western, so 
it's kind of like an American made spaghetti Western. They're trying to get on that spaghetti Western train of trying to do like, you know, the edgier kind of Western, but American made. It's not great, but it's pretty good. But Clint Walker's the star of that as well. But yes, he plays the sheriff in this film. Yeah. So they're looking down at the body and he's like, yeah, that's her. And it's like, how do you know she doesn't have a fucking face? (laughs) 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 Just seeing her hooch this entire time? Just walking around with her hooch for the world to see? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's her. (laughs) I I know exactly who this is. Does he say you can tell by her jacket? We used to call her the burning bush because all wise men were led there. <laughs> Does he say could identify her because of her jacket? Yeah, that is exactly. Yeah, I could identify her because of the snowsuit matches the jacket. He's like, jacket? What jacket? <laughs> He's like, the jacket my grandmama said not to show nobody. <laughs> Because you should shut down everything. And he's like, oh, I am. (laughs) Actually, actually, Tom Walker doesn't seem very concerned by any of it. (laughs) He's like, well, probably a grizzly. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so. Also. Uh, I forgot to mention, even though Clint Walker was in the original Dirty Dozen, Bo Spenson was in the sequel to Dirty Dozen. So. The Dirty Six. <laughs> You're both a Dirty Dozen. <laughs> Series. Get dog kisses? Yeah. <laughs> um, ow, ow. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um, so now he's scratching me. Okay. Yeah, I see that. Um, Stop it. I'm trying to talk about Snow Beast. <laughs> Doesn't look like he cares. <laughs> he doesn't. Um, so after that, uh, he goes back to the lodge. And he's like, Grandma, they're f- she's fucking dead. And she's like, what? Uh, don't tell anybody. And it's like, okay, well, I called the family, and they're, they're expecting you to meet him there. He's like, okay, what did you tell him? And he's like, oh, just that you're meeting him there. It's like, wow, way to pawn that off on somebody. Way to pawn that shit off. It's your fucking resort, lady. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I saw that. I got mad at her. I was like, how dare you? Like, hey, why don't you come visit our ski resort? And our, my grandson's going to meet you. And your kid's dead. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> what I love the best about it is that as the movie goes along, her role diminishes and diminishes and diminishes until it's like, what is her point in this movie anymore <laughs> yeah so tony and uh gets another ski patroller and he's like hey man go out this way i'm gonna go check this area that ski patroller immediately dies by snow beast <laughs> <laughs> death by snow beast um and uh they wrote it down they were like where are we gonna write this down in the of the books and of course, the sheriff was like, "Well, Snowbeast, <laughs> it's just Snowbeast. You write it down as a Snowbeast death." Well, this one where we're just like, there's something that happens later on. It's like, what do we write this down as? And I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that and the fact they like hit this the ski patrol's character's <laughs> funeral is in this movie, but it seems like it happens way later. <laughs> like they just 
put it off. They're like, it's fucking cold out here. He's not going to start smelling anytime soon. <laughs> so, so Tony's off looking and he sees the shoulders of the snow beast in the woods. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck. That's a goddamn snow beast. <laughs> 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 so he, he, uh, he goes back and he starts talking to Bo. He's like, Bo, are you still a crack shot? I see you're having problems with your wife. Are you still a crack shot? <laughs> he's, he's like, like what about my wife? And he's like, nothing. Uh, yeah, no, it's fine. And uh, hey, can you go check on this snow beast? I'm just going to hang out with your wife. <laughs> All right, Gar, you go out and check a snow beast. Me and Ellen will stay behind. Yeah. <laughs> It's a real, it's a real Freddie Daphne kind of situation. Very much so, and uh, um, and also this whole time while he's been doing all this investigating and trying to find the snow, you know, seeing the snow beast in the woods and all that. Gar and Ellen have been back back at the uh, at this ski lodge, <clears throat> and you can tell something's not great in their marriage, but also something's going on with Gar's life that feels like a parallel to erectile dysfunction. Yeah, kind of. And uh, there's something where it's like he used to be so good because he, like I mentioned earlier, he's an ex gold medalist medalist for skiing, um, but hasn't skied since he won, uh, what, like 5,000 gold medals or whatever it is in one game. I don't know. Something ridiculous. And he just hasn't skied since. He feels like he's not the same kind of guy. He's all washed up. And, uh, well, and fucking Ellen, Jesus Christ, she doesn't pull punches either. Cause so he's like, Hey, uh, let's meet outside and I'm gonna tell you more about why I need your crack shot. And he was like, Okay, and it goes off. He's like, So Ellen. <laughs> oh, that big loser's gone. It's just, well, yeah, he brings up something, he's like, Everything okay with you guys or something? Like, yeah. And she's like, God, I wish I could fall out of love with him. God, it would be so much easier. But I just, it's hard to love somebody you can't respect. And I have no respect for him. It's like, Jesus Christ, that seems pretty fucking harsh. Like <laughs> She also said, I don't know if it's in that scene, or different one, she's like, what if I chose the wrong person? Yeah, she did. She said something like that. And he's like, well, don't you worry about that, Ellen. I still love you. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck. Here's where this is going. And then he, like, gives her a kiss. And it's, it's, even walk- it's even better because Bo Spunson just seems like a big dummy. <laughs> yeah, well, not only that, he comes back in after that. He's like, Haha, I saw you kissing my wife. <laughs> and it's like, what? Like, no, that's not the reaction for that. <laughs> Like I, he was just like joking it off. Like, yeah, you can cock me. That's fine. Yeah, and uh, so next scene they're in the hot tub together. Not Ellen and Tony, but Gar and Tony. Tony and Gar. And he's like, you know what, Ellen? I think you did choose wrong, and so did I. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are standing pretty close. pretty close to the hot tub. And uh, 
so he starts talking. He's like, man, I don't know what I saw. I was like half human, half full snow beast. (laughs) 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 And he was like, oh. And they start talking about Bigfoot and shit like that. And he's like, then this is where you find out Ellen is actually a reporter. And she did a whole thing on the Yeti and blah, blah, blah. What are you laughing about? (laughs) Because it's just like, oh, yeah, she did a primetime report on Yetis and Snoopies. (laughs) (laughs) It's funnier when you think about it that way. (laughs) Just on NBC, 11 o'clock, it's like primetime. Yetis, are they real? I don't know. NBC. It's so ridiculous because of this. Ellen is an expert on snow beasts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Because so. they had to give her something to do. It's like, she did a report on, I don't know, fucking snow beasts. Like, you can see like where Joe Stefano was writing the script on his typewriter. Then he was like, huh, well, I need her around these two guys more so they can like still, is, is she a cuck or not? Uh, how do I get her out there? I know. <laughs> Expert on snow beasts. And uh, so, yeah, they, they continue the search. But in the background, we have shit going on at the cabin now. And the shit going on in the cabin is that sweet, sweet high school band playing the song for the fucking Snow Queen. And everyone's like, oh, man, do I fucking love being listening to a high school band? I love it. And they're not even good, even for a movie. (laughs) What song are they playing? Are they playing something really fucking weird? I don't know what they're playing because I don't care. It's stuck in my head. I'm like, why are they playing that? What a a strange song to play for this. So the grandma's been harping on Guar. uh, Guar. Been harping on Gar. She's like, she's like, how next year are we supposed to have the barbecue here if there's fucking snow bees? <laughs> well, he's a member of Guar, so. <laughs> um. So yeah, so she's been harping on having him uh, come and be like, "Hey, he's a gold medalist skier, and he's at our ski resort." He 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 he. And so she she. Stops them from investigating further. So, Gar, you're an hour late. You need to go to this, you know, event where a bunch of people will talk to you and we won't really recognize what you've done, but you'll be there. And he's like, all right, all right, I'll be there. And uh, so then comes a scene of him doing some very silly hand tricks for a bunch <laughs> of very underage girls. <laughs> Hey, little chickadees, I'm a composer. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, just. And also, Tony, nobody knows where Tony is. He had to go, he had to go pick up somebody from the airport. Yeah, the family whose yeah. daughter died. Yeah, but nobody can get a hold of Tony. Nobody knows where he is. Which I thought was going to be, I thought was going to lead to something later on, but nope. let me spoil it for you. It doesn't. <laughs> So as this is going on, the Snow Queen is uh, at the buffet table like any smart person would do at a high school event, is avoid everyone and go straight to the buffet table. (laughs) And the shock on her face when she sees the hideous 
Spencer's Gifts Mask. <laughs> of the Snoopy. Uh, she starts screaming and crying. Everybody is like, people who, like, he literally throws his hands through the windows. And that's about it. But apparently word traveled fast. And everybody's trampling the fuck over each other in this high school. Even though the Snobies pretty much went, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> well, no, he, he, he killed somebody in a car. Yeah, but they were freaking out before that happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because the lady in the car is the Snow Queen's mom riding the Snow Queen mobile. <laughs> and she's sitting there and she literally pulls up while she hears all the commotion. And what happened? All of a sudden, her car doesn't work immediately after parking. <laughs> like, and the Snow Beast rips her motherfucking face off. He loves doing that. You can, you can call him Nick Cage. He loves the face off. Yeah. And uh, so everyone's freaking out. Snow Queen's like, oh, my mom's dead. Oh. <laughs> she seems real tore up about it. Yeah. And uh, so now the police are like, all right, we really got to, you know, do our job for once. I get. I don't really want to do it. And then they kind of don't do their job, and then they do. <laughs> and uh, so the next day, we got Gar and Tony talking, and they're like, oh, fuck, you know, we got to, you know, we probably got to go get back out there and, you know, wake me up whenever we're doing this. And he was like, oh, um, oh, yeah, no, the deputy comes in. And he's like, hey, we got it. Woo! And everybody's cheering and yaying. And except Gar and Tony and Ellen, who see that it's a dead grizzly bear. Yeah. Well, they talked the, talk the sheriff into going up there and hunting the snow beast. Like, I'm going to go up there because does he see it or is he like, I'm just going to go hunt for it? Well, first we have the uh, reigniting of the flame with Gar and Ellen. Yeah. So Ellen goes out uh, after Grandma sent to the hospital for uh, getting trampled over. And she didn't actually get trampled over. She literally just tripped. Yeah, she just tripped. She kind of falls on her wrist. And she's like, ah. She's being very dramatic about it. Yeah, and then they put her <laughs> in the stretcher and take her out. But um, And everybody politely walks around her, runs around her. She's, she's fine. Yeah. And, uh, but Ellen, in the meantime, has been like, oh, my gosh, this is a serious thing. Well, I should probably go out there and look for Tony or whatever to find uh, what's going on with that. So she's out there, and that's kind of it. She's out there. And then Gar gets back to the resort. He's like, hey, have you seen Ellen? And she's like, oh, she went out skiing this morning. And it's like, yeah, well, have you seen her since? Uh, no. <laughs> like, Did she come back? You check everyone in. No, uh, well, I'm really busy. Uh, I just need to know. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, okay, you could have said that and said I'm really busy. Because um, he's like, listen, these two are just going to take their luggage or they're just going to dip on their bill if I don't. So now we have Gar sitting in the room getting all concerned about his sweet, sweet cuckold. And uh, he's... Uh, 
looking at the skis and he starts flicking them, flicking the little snaps in the skis angrily. And he puts those bad boys on and starts searching for Ellen. He eventually finds Ellen in the death cabin that everyone seems to like to stay at. <laughs> the cabin where they find all these bodies, everyone's like, I think that's safe. Look. Well, they, where they clearly say, hey, the, the snow beast is bringing his like victims or food here. They're like, oh, I better shelter out in here. Okay, that's my question. All right, so he finds her there. They get attacked briefly by the snow beast. Well, before that, they have a romantic rekindling. Yeah. And Ellen is like, oh, my God, you skied here. That's all I've ever wanted is for you to ski. <laughs> and he's like, I did it. I did it. I love skiing. And she's like, well, why did you stop? He's like, because I didn't want to be a burnout. I didn't want to be washed up. So I thought if I stopped while I was on top, that would never happen. And so it totally did. And you think selling your gold medals would have been the first like sign <laughs> that you should probably get back out there and do something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is this one of are at the campfire? Yes. Which is inside the cabin. Yeah. Okay. That, that's, that was my question. Like, are they having the fire inside the snow beast cabin? They are. And they're sleeping in the hay where he hides bodies. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole time watching, I'm like, are they are they <laughs> camping at the snow beast's house? <laughs> yeah. So they were. Uh, Ellen realizes that she does love Gar, and that doesn't end the weirdness with Tony, though. <laughs> um. So they're sleeping, and they hear something outside, and wobble wobbleoo. Here comes snow beast arms flailing through the door, screeching. They're like, oh, fuck, let's loudly bash this part open so we could get this window open. And they get the window open. The Sophie's is at that window now. <laughs> and they go back to the front door and try to get it open. They can't. But at the same time, the snow beast is scared off by a ski patrol and the sheriff and Tony. And Ellen immediately forgets that she loves Gar and is like, oh, Tony, thank God you can't. <laughs> She's like, Tony, is that a snowmobile? It's so much smarter than using skis. You're way better. Yeah. So after all this, they go up and they're like, Sheriff, you know that wasn't it. You know that wasn't it. He's like, what do you want me to tell you? What do you want me to tell you? It's I like, shot the fucking bear. Yeah, He's bear attacked me. I shot the bear. And it's like, right, but we know that wasn't a bear. <laughs> He's it's like, like, you do too. And he's just like, mm. maybe. I don't know. Like, but I did shoot this defenseless bear. Like, it was probably hibernating right in the fucking face. So Gar, Gar and Ellen go up and are like, look, it'll just be the three of us. We'll go out there, check, and you know, just look around, see if we can find it. And then literally in a horribly cut scene, it's Tony at the car window going, four of us, just the four of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh so tony gets in and he's really stoked that he gets to be part of the snow beast hunt again because i guess he was feeling left out and uh in between this we have the funeral of the ski patrol <laughs> which has the, the, the they all fire guns for his death i'm like is that what happens for ski patrol why does everyone in ski patrol have a fucking sniper rifle <laughs> 
everybody has a mustache and sunglasses. That's like the equivalent of every beach lifeguard having a harpoon. <laughs> like consistently on hand. And then they bury him in the they they put him in the sand or they throw him out to sea and they all shoot their harpoons to sink his body into the ocean. <laughs> That's right. Send him back to Atlantis. Yeah. Um Yes. So now we are there. They leave their camper that the sheriff had brought and they go. Literally, this is like just way too long of them. Just uh, uh, what is that? Those things called the. It's not not the skis, but the, the fucking snow snowmobile. Yeah, snowmobile. Yeah, they're riding around. Yeah, the I, I, I got bored through this part. I was just like, Jesus. They yeah, were it was poor fucking off. ever. And you just kind of see the monster through the monster's eyes a few times in the woods. And it's like, ah, ah. And then they're like, okay, we're not finding him. Let's go over to the uh, camper. And we find out that he has attacked the camper and broken a bunch of shit off of it. And they're like, okay, so we know he's here. I think it'd be better if we just waited him out here, which makes sense. Cause they, and they even said, it, they're like, I, I, I really think we have a better shot of finding him if he comes back here than if we just randomly go out looking again. I'm like, thank you for speaking since one time in this movie. And they're like, we'll do shifts of two. I'll be Tony. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, as a professional on Snow Beasts, <laughs> it's my job, reporter and professional Snow Beaster. <laughs> I think that he's probably going to come and try to attack us again. It's like, thank you, Alan. <laughs> you are truly a treasure. Uh, <laughs> so she's like, I'll go in and cook dinner. And you two stay out here for the first watch. And then we'll come out for the second watch. And they're like, okay. And here we are with her at the fucking stove. And Tony, hey there, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the sheriff the whole time was thinking like I wonder if I can get in on all this yeah, <laughs> I wonder if I could get with Ellen let's, let's, let's try to make this a square Ellen I don't know if you know this but uh, I was a cop on top for a long time and I'm still a cop <laughs> but uh, don't worry Ellen I have no problems with my skis oh my god I love somebody with a stable position <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, so they're out there. They don't see much. And then uh, we have this scene where Tony is looking at Ellen and going, hey, Ellen. So, uh, you know, I always had to ask this eight-year <laughs> question. Why, why guard instead of me? <laughs> Smiles, flips hair. And she's like, Boyish laugh. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, I didn't choose him over you. It's just that Gar needed me. And I do, I realized I do love Gar. And it doesn't mean I, I, she's like, I loved you both. It's just that I felt like he needed me more. And he's like, well, all right, that's fine. <laughs> Can't bring Tony down, man. <laughs> and then she kisses him on the fucking lips. Like, <laughs> It's like, like right after they're like friends, friends, mouth kiss. Like what? 
slip a pinky in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what uh, your definition of friendship is, but I'm just going to say if any of my friends like saw me like, hey, me and your wife are just friends and I'm kissing them, there's a good chance that's not true. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, case in point. Uh, <laughs> but, but um, so after that very strange exchange, uh, amount of time passes that they don't really define because it looks the same outside. And um, they're out uh, now. It's Tony and Ellen, and they're just. Uh, randomly just staring in one direction the entire time. Especially for the snow beast. The snow beast doesn't come from any other direction, though. Yeah. We're really going to be fucked. And then Gar comes out. He's like, hey, good morning. Like, And you're like, wow, they've been out there all fucking night? You let your wife take the night shift? Like, <laughs> Gar's like, I feel so rested. They can go for a heat. <laughs> and uh, as they're passing off the guns, um, <laughs> Minus Dan, who's still inside the trailer doing who knows what. And he's like, I'm jacking off to Ellen right now. <laughs> and uh, I'm the sheriff. Uh, Ellen, feel my stability. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, right in the middle of passing off, guys, he goes, Oh, wait a minute. There's the snow beast. There he is. And then you see the snow beast foot kick a log. <laughs> and. Uh, a bunch of logs come down and crash into the trailer where uh, Don is now trapped. It's a whole bunch of logs. And the purple like, oh, is on top of the Quick, we gotta go find him. And while they go find him, Dan gets killed by snow beasts because, you know, <laughs> they left him right where he was. <laughs> and they come back and like, Don! No! <laughs> and now they're also like having to move around like Don's body is completely gone just a big old <laughs> pink pool of snow and um, so now they're like Ellen can you get in there and try and get those rifles out of there she's like I can't find them well, are, are, <laughs> you find that, are you saying that the sheriff Paraday turned into a red wave <laughs> Yes. Um, Very topical. Yeah. And uh, so she's in there looking for the rifles. And uh, Tony's like, I think there's a service revolver in the front seat. And it's like, well, you did drive with a cop, so probably. And so he goes and grabs that. And Snow Beast comes back. They shoot the Snow Beast. And he's like, Gar, take this gun. And go finish him off. <laughs> <laughs> Reclaim your manhood, Gar. And he's like, hey, yes. Yes. And he's like, Ellen, Gar's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Ellen, I sure hope nothing happens to Gar. That would be terrible. <laughs> so she finds a rifle and gives it over to Tony. And they go out. And um, now we have the confrontation between Snow Beast and Gar. And now we finally see the Snow Beast who uh, 
on the whole, is not very impressive. <laughs> nope. So Gar shoots him. He still keeps coming at him. So he puts his spiky ski stick, I forget the name of those, <laughs> into against the tree. And the monster just slowly saunters up to him. And he stabs the monster in the neck with the ski stick. And then the monster screams out. They find him. They all watch the monster tumble down a hill. They stare at said monster over hill. Fade out in red. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Stefano was like, how do I end this? Oh, fuck it. They look at him. <laughs> dead. Yeah, there's some similarities with Jaws, like I said, with, with the grandmother kind of like the mayor, you know, and, and the sheriff almost like the Quint kind of character who does get killed. And they're looking for this, you know, monster <clears throat> or natural creature that's just kind of uh, fucking up weekend festivities when something's supposed to be happening and killing the people that are in town for it. So there's yeah. some. It's not as sharp or good as like other Jaws ripoffs like Alligator, which we've talked about in a previous episode, or Piranha or something. Um, what I thought was happening from like the middle to right about whenever they go and start looking for when they all drive up together looking for the snow beast, I thought Tony was a snow beast, which would have been a way better twist. I thought Tony was dressed up as a snow beast killing people. And like so, like, whenever he disappears, and they make a line where, like, we can't get a hold of Tony on the radio. And there's another part where he disappears also. I'm like, oh, Tony's the fucking snow beast. And he's trying to kill Gar, and he's trying to kill people so he can have Alan, which makes sense. But no, it's just, it's, it's a fucking snow beast. Yep, that's it. Yeah. My script would have been better. Uh, I will say, the movie has uh, that kind <laughs> of, like, 70s TV horror charm to it, in my my opinion. Like, it has, like, the passable acting and the music and the beautiful sights and the grainy film. <laughs> like, stuff that kind of puts you at ease and to be like, I can fall asleep during this movie and it won't be an issue. <laughs> yeah, you won't miss anything. Yeah, it's so... Fucking boring. Yeah, but, I don't know. I thought it had a 70s charm to it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's something. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, that's Snow Beast. <laughs> yeah, it's Snow Beast. Would you say check it out? If you're bored. <laughs> it is on Tubi for free. And so, is, and so is the remake, which I haven't watched, but... Next episode! <laughs> no, it's your turn. I say don't check it out. Um... Uh, I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> I like Bo Svensson. I like Clint Walker. I bet if you got really high, this would be fine. Like, you'd be like, oh, this is a very passable movie. <laughs> no, I would definitely fall asleep then. Well, depends on what you're smoking. <laughs> Meth. <laughs> <Just get back. laughs> All right. Yeah, well, that's no beast. That brings us to our next segment. Yep. Yep. Another curation of Blaze's Cabinet Video Game Curiosities. All right, what video game do we have today? We're talking about a, a slightly new game here. 
uh, called Signalis uh, by, I just had it up and I already forgot what the publisher's name was. That was quick. Um, Rose Engine. Okay. And this game is fucking awesome. All right. It is an amazing game, and it is in the style of, say, uh, I would say PlayStation, Resident Evil, or Silent Hill-like gameplay, except uh-huh. with improved cameras and easier-to-navigate areas. So you start off as this... Uh, they're called replicas, which are kind of like androids, uh-huh. which they kind of explain at the beginning. And a, a bunch of numbers just start flashing on the screen between, like, the, the cutscenes in the, the, the game. And your character walks out and goes into this space station on a planet that is covered in snow! <laughs> and, uh... Beast! It connects in. <laughs> and, uh, uh... They go on, and they're looking for their friend. And uh, they promised them that they would come retrieve them if they hadn't heard anything back, and they did not. And you get in and find the place has pretty much been destroyed. Uh, every like the door, the electricity's on, but shit is like deteriorated, and you're like, "What the fuck happened?" Uh-huh. So you start exploring around, and uh, it's it's very puzzle heavy. So very. Uh, very much like find keys for this. What does that key do? This key does that, and that key opens this, which you combine with that to do this. So very much Resident Evil-like. And uh, so eventually you run into another replica you have found uh, on the floor dying. And you've uh, they go through the explanation of that replicas as the androids, like, have organic components like they have human components along with the robotic so they have a sense of personality and being what happened is that uh, a fungus or a bacteria of some sort has gotten loose on the station and it's infecting the organic compounds of the uh the replicas which acts kind of like how those snails would t- you know can take over or that fungus can take over ants' bodies, and it can take... Have you seen those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it can, like, shell out a spider. And it's pretty much saying, like, yeah, it works like that. So they take it out, and they can now control the uh, uh, automatic parts of the uh, replicas, and they, like, rot it away and turned into these, like, weird zombie-looking robot creatures. And as you go through, you start learning about a conspiracy going on through the game. There are different uh, things of equipment you can pick up. There are different uh, places you can explore and kind of learn more about the story. You can find file reports. You can find um, different things like that to kind of put together, almost in the same way as uh, Control did. Like, Control has a good base storyline, but you get a lot of, like, the shit that goes on there through the files you read in the game. So, and that's kind of how this plays out. And um, there, you end up getting, like, a radio, and uh, you find out that a lot of, like, wall safes and stuff are actually open with radio frequencies. 
So it goes through like trying to find radio contents and trying to find like defaults on the lock. Like it's, it gets really intensive, but um, I mean, it is just such an interesting game and fun to play through. Uh, it is super low on ammo. Like they do not give you a lot of ammo at all. And it's like, Hey, you're in a room with like five of these things that take six shots each and you have eight bullets. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> like, so, um, but as you go on, you run into other replicas who are kind of informing you about what's happening and how you need to talk to the administrator. The administrator is also a replica. And as you go on, you learn that each replica has like different jobs they're designed for. And uh, <clears throat> I won't, I, I, telling more about the administrator would kind of ruin the story. So I'm going to let that go. Uh, but on the whole, it is just such an interesting game in the way they've taken like a system like the original Resident Evil or something like that. And, you know, we, we all love it, but holy shit, is it hard to play? And they fix those issues. So it, it ha very much has the feeling of playing those games, but without all the struggles of trying to get used to that kind of controls and everything like that. Almost like what the, uh, those Resident Evil remakes and remasters did, where it's like, we're taking everything that you like about Resident Evil, we're making a play a lot better, a way more engaging to do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and that new Resident Evil remake's coming out soon. So. Uh, but, but to satiate your hunger... Huh? Is it for four? Yeah, four. For four? Yeah. Yep. And... Uh, Still a blind spot in my Resident Evil area. I still have never you played, played four. I never got through four. I played halfway through. It's so good. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to, for that. But uh, to, uh, this is a, a really cool thing on its own, though. Like, I, I, at first I was going to say, like, if you want to satiate that Resident Evil craving in the meantime, play this. But honestly, play it either way because it is just, it's fun. It is it keeps you going and it really makes you think. And some of the puzzles are so fucking hard in there, like shit you would not have thought of. Um, but it's on uh, all the major consoles and PC um, free on Xbox game pass, $20 on steam. And I think 1599 on PlayStation. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So I highly recommend that game. It is a fucking blast. Awesome. Yeah. I like to check it out. I haven't played a video game in, like, a long time, so. Yeah, dude, you need to get on it, because that's all I've been doing lately, is playing video games. Yeah, it sounds like In fact, I, I started playing a game I never thought I would like. Yeah? Stardew Valley. Oh. Well, I guess it's no uh, Deer Simulator. No, of course not. <laughs> the greatest game of all time. Yeah, that or Goat Simulator. Yeah. Uh, but, um... So, yeah, it, it, Signalis is, I don't know, man. It's, it's really been me, uh, after I, I finished a couple of indie games, and I, you know, I think my love for indie games has been outshining a lot of the main games coming out these days. Yeah. Um, just Did for, you, what's that? I'm sorry. No, go, go on. I Did forgot you, what I was going to say. Go. Oh, I was going to say, did you, that article I sent you, did you read it about those like games that Blade Disgusting is excited about? Were any of those games ones that you were looking forward to? Um, I don't think I saw that article. Yeah, I sent it to you a couple of days ago. It was like, 
they were choosing like 10 games, 10 horror games they were really excited about. I don't know if it was any of them that you were like going to be reviewing on the show or that you were excited about. I think well, I let me look because there's a lot of messages from you that just say get fucked. <laughs> I know there's at least one. Because <laughs> I said that like two hours ago. <laughs> no. Yeah. And also, I mean, we're also beginning that remake of um, a remaster remake of uh, Dead Space soon as well. Oh, I know. Please do it justice and don't make a Dead Space 3 again. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. The 10 upcoming horror video games we previewed on the convention circuit this fall. Yeah, I don't see that. Where did you send me that article? On, I texted to you. It was like yesterday, two days yeah. ago. It's like right next to where you sent me that TikTok video. Hmm. Did it not go through? I don't see it. The fuck? I'll send it to you so you can just here we go. I just sent it to you again if you want to flip through it real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Because it looks like there's some really cool horror games coming out on this. This is ones that that um play disgusting put out this article, these are different games they saw on the uh, convention circuit during the fall, and these are some horror games that they're very excited about. Um, and if you had your... If you peepers noticed, out on them? Huh? My peepers out on them? You your peepers on any of these ten games? So I don't... Okay, continue reading. I hate these things. Yeah, I hate whatever. Why, why is that a thing? Dead Fury, not familiar. Demon School, I have actually seen some trailers for, and it looks kind of interesting. Right. Um, I've been very hooked on old school style games lately. Yeah, I like I like the uh, graphics on Demon School. It looks cool. Um, last case of Benedict Fox, I was actually uh, looking forward to. A uh, few of these I haven't heard of, but now I'm going to have to look for them. Uh, My Friendly Neighborhood. Uh, okay, that looks good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, My Friendly Neighborhood reminds you of that one we talked about before, one of you in the Toy Factory. Yeah, uh, Poppy's Playhouse. Yeah. They made a sequel to that. Cool. Terror Endless Night looks pretty interesting. Yeah, there, there looks like a few good things on there, so I'll keep an eye out on those. And I also see here where it's saying uh, Smile is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. So What? Yeah, I see it right, right there. Smile says it's streaming on Paramount Plus. Hell yeah, I know what I'm watching tonight. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's all I got. Cool. All right. Well, that is another episode of Blade and Apples. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will be talking about something Rocky chooses. <laughs> I'll choose something. Wait, we may have to do something for like an autumn, uh, autumn film since it'll be Thanksgiving next week and all that. We got to get ready first. Well, I guess it's already past time for September Santa. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, I'll figure out something. Uh, maybe something more entertaining than this bullshit. Probably <laughs> something more entertaining than, than uh, El Santo versus a mummy. Or uh, Sometimes I feel like uh, you don't learn your lesson because you're like, Blaze, what do you want to watch? And I'll be like, that's a bad idea, but here we go. <laughs> I should learn my lesson if I'm going to go out for punishment. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll figure it out what's happening next week. Or maybe we'll do a poll. We haven't done a yeah. poll in a while. We'll we do a done. poll. We'll do a poll. Yeah. 
Um, but in the meantime, if you want, if you have a request or you have an idea of what you would like us to talk about, then you can reach us at bladedapplespod at gmail.com or bladedapplespodcast on Instagram. You can drop us a message there. Uh, you know, talk to us about what movie you would like to see us uh, cover, a horror video game you're excited about, perhaps a horror book that you're reading, which um, actually we, I want to start a horror reading segment here soon um i've actually been backlogging a couple books here so i have some ammunition because it takes a little bit longer to read a book than doesn't play a video game or watch a movie so i want to make sure i had a couple here and there it kind of sparse out so every once in a while we'll probably have a either a horror book or a horror comic that we'll be talking about in a new segment we'll we'll need to go over the details of that and make a new theme song and me saying that means blaze needs to make a new theme song (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right <laughs> no 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 um i'm we'll too busy with my tiktok <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i follow blaze on tiktok he started doing some cool videos he did a uh cover of ken's theme from street fighter 2 it's very good and uh okay. you can find him on uh tiktok at uncle blazer b-l-a-z-e-r uncle blazer all one word no no uh, underscore right I don't think so. I don't okay, yeah. You can follow us on Instagram. Um, we're on there. Both of our pages are also in the uh, description of our uh, Instagram page. So you can follow us there as well. Um, thanks to Stefan Mives for doing our artwork. Follow him at Stefan Mives on Instagram or Crawling Panther Tattoo. Awesome guy. One of the best tattoo artists I know and artists I know. Tattooing out of Ocala, Florida. Um, he's awesome. And thanks to Blaze for being an amazing co-host and editing this stuff together. And, uh, yeah. Anything else to add? See you later, fuck Earth! <laughs> Snow Beast. Write it down. Write that down. That's how we write this one down. Snow Beast. <laughs> Every day is Halloween, so please act accordingly, even if you're a Snow Beast. Alright, bye. Bye.